So this is the, the last message in this series, yep. in this run series, and uh, we are looking again at Elijah. Last weekend we, we saw that Elijah did really good until he got a death threat from the palace, and then he, he ran. And as Pastor Darry and I were reflecting on that, we felt like we wanted to come back to this episode again, because Elijah is exhibiting some of the classic symptoms of a very deep depression. And so the, the title for this message is A Prophet at a Loss. So I'm not going to read the entire passage, but this will just give us a flavor as we dive into this important subject. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Here is a man, Pastor Darry, who's, who's overwhelmed, he's bewildered, he feels really lost, really lost. Have you ever had an experience where you were like totally, completely lost? I have. Um, I don't know if you guys have. Um, I, I grew up on the western slope hunting and fishing and stuff. And, and one time I got in the middle of a blizzard storm up on top of a mountain and it snowed like two feet, like in a day. And I got completely disoriented, completely lost. I, I had to spend the night up there. I found a camp and they helped me, but it was a desperate feeling. I mean, it's just a terrible feeling to go, I don't know where I am. Elijah was feeling that. He didn't know where he was emotionally, spiritually. It's one thing to be lost physically. It's another to have that spiritual, emotional loss that, that happens. Now, I know, I know, Pastor Jeff, you've told us a few stories enough to know that you, you get lost occasionally. I think I occasionally find myself found would be a better, <laughs> a, a better way. I mean, I'd like to say that I've never been lost hunting, and that's because I don't go hunting, because you'd hear the deer laughing in the woods, you know, it wouldn't be good. But, I mean, I get lost, I get lost in parking lots. Hmm. You know, I go to the grocery store, and I drive around, my wife's like, here we go again, you know. And, and so it is a, it is a frequent... Um, experience for me. Yeah. Kay helps you though. She does. She does. We occasionally, we occasionally experience a little navigational tension in our marriage. <laughs> How many of you understand that right there, huh? <laughs> yeah, some of you are looking at each other like, yeah, that's us. That's us. All right. Well, this, this is a story about a guy who feels lost. And as we look at it today, I want you to just really open your heart, really open your mind to saying, maybe you're, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you have someone in your family who's depressed, discouraged. Maybe the weight of the world is on you today. We want this to be an encouragement to you, but we also want to be sensitive to what God wants to say through this message about Elijah. Number one in your outline, on the back of your program, follow along if you want to. Number one, it just says this. Let's get real about depression. There are many, many stats in the world, and I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of them, but depression is a very real issue in our culture. And it's everywhere. The Bible doesn't hide this from us. It's not a sin to be depressed. There are many cases in which people in the Bible, look at Jonah. God calls Jonah to Nineveh. 
He doesn't want to go. He finally goes. He does not like the people of Nineveh. He preaches for days and boom, they repent. And he's not happy that they repented. As a matter of fact, he's angry at God and goes out and and is alone and basically isolates himself and goes into a deep depression and starts arguing with God. There's, There's people like who wrote the Psalms, things like, why God? Why can't you hear my cry? How long must I suffer? Where have you gone? There's this, this desperate language throughout many of the Psalms that show people's depth of despair. Jeremiah, probably the classic example, the worst one I can think of. Jeremiah, I'm going to read this to you. Cursed be the day I was born. This is Jeremiah 20. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Curse the man who brought my father the news. Who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother, with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Wow. He's not happy. No, he's not happy. I mean, you wouldn't want to be around him, would you? Because when he's not happy, everyone gets it in the neck. You know, it is wow. that. Wow. But it's not, just, um, it's not just Old Testament characters, is it? When you look to the New Testament, uh, uh, Dari, uh, I used to get this monthly newsletter from a leading evangelist. And after a while, it kind of irritated me because every time it arrived, the envelope, it always said, victory report, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And I'm like, not another one. Like, just one time, could we not have a defeat report? <laughs> because it's not real. When, when you look at the Apostle Paul, for example, he wrote a defeat report. I mean, he's a strong guy. Did yep. some amazing things. Listen to what he says at great personal risk to the contentious Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. I mean, that's a defeat report. Imagine getting that from some big evangelist. Greetings, prayer partners. We've been feeling suicidal. Have a nice day. It's like, it's not going to happen. Some folks might struggle with this. I think Jesus knew depression. We see it in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's under incredible pressure. And it says there that he was overwhelmed. The Greek word is barrio, from which we get the word barometer. To be under pressure. To be depressed. He experienced that. And so it's so right that we we get real about this issue. It's a massive part of our culture. Since 1960, the spending power of America has doubled. And yet with all of our stuff, we have not been able to resolve this challenge of the inner turbulence that so many feel. But it isn't just out there. It's not just a world problem. It's an us problem, if I can put it that way. It is an issue that we face. And maybe we need to recalibrate our expectations. Who says we're supposed to be happy all the time? Madeleine Lengel talks about the reality of struggle in faith. She says, those who believe, they believe in God, but without passion in the heart, without anguish of mind, without uncertainty, without doubt, and even at times without despair, 
believe only in the idea of God and not in God himself. Let's get real about this because it is part, surely, of the normative life. Secondly, in your bulletin, avoid self-inflicted isolation. Avoid self-inflicted isolation. It says of Elijah, verse 3, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And it's as if, Pastor Dari, the writer wants us to know how lonely this was. It says he sat down under a solitary broom tree. The portrait is being painted of loneliness. And then later on, part of God's rescue plan, verse 16, anoint Elisha. Anoint Elisha. Why? Not just so that the ministry would be perpetuated, but because Elijah needed a friend. But isn't it true that sometimes when we're low, that's the time we distance ourselves from church? Yeah. That's the time when we stay away. What, what, why does that happen? Yeah, I've, I've seen it as a pastor. I think we, if you've been around Timberline a long time, you've, you've seen people who maybe get frustrated in life. Maybe they go into a depression. They, they lose someone they love. And they don't really want to be around anybody. And church is one of those unique places where, believe it or not, there might be some expectation put on them to come in here and, and be up and, and not let that depression or that discouragement show. And, and it ends up, they can just kind of slip away. And unless we're there to notice and call them and say, where are you? We miss you. Then they can actually lose fellowship with a local church. And, and we don't want that to happen. We want people to be able to... You know, I just think if, even if we just drew a line in the sand today and said, it's okay for you to have a bad day and for you to be sad and for you, Elijah, Elijah was struggling and, and we can say, why was he struggling? He just had one of the greatest victories in his life. But the truth is, we have to be careful to monitor our thoughts, our lives and be aware not to run away from the people who love us. I don't know, your thoughts about this? Some time ago, a friend of mine made a statement to me that changed my life. He said, Jeff, your feelings are not the barometer of your spirituality. Your feelings are not the barometer of your spirituality. I think when we feel bad, we can feel like we are bad, which is a lie. And then we get around other people, and they kind of look okay, although if we peeled back the layers of our gathering here today, there are all kinds of faithful people battling through things, but, but showing up. I, I also wonder sometimes um, whether there's the, there can be this expectation that you just spoke about. Uh, I appreciate our worship team here because they lead us. They're not cheerleaders. They don't demand that we do certain things or feel a particular way. But I, occasionally I get to preach in different churches, which is a privilege. But every now and again, I go to these churches which are constantly excited. <laughs> I'm like, they're excited about everything. Everything's ecstatic and awesome and amazing. And, and I, I go, I love being here. I love your infectious enthusiasm, but I couldn't come here every week. I just can't maintain that level of ecstasy, this idea that I've got to be happy all the time. It's, it's matter of fact, I think there is that expectation, and I appreciate the fact that we can just be, be real too. But sometimes, sometimes there is this cheerleading kind of thing of let's celebrate God and let's be happy and let's, let's yell out. Matter of fact, I remember you. Oh, the ha- didn't you do a happy thing? Like you, you had a song or something? That well, was there was a happy. song we used to sing in our, in our church. It was, I am H-A-P-P-Y. I am H-A-P-P-Y. I know I, I'm getting into this rap thing, baby. I, 
I know I am. I'm sure I am. I am H-A-P-P-Y. Mm. Another great theological classic was, it isn't, <laughs> it isn't any trouble just to S-M-I-L-E. No, it isn't any trouble just to S-M-I-L-E. If you pack up all your troubles, then they'll vanish like a bubble if you only take the trouble just to S-M-I-L-E. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, this is rapper J-Dog today. J-Dog. <laughs> yeah. It's enough to make you V-O-M-I-T, isn't it, really? <laughs> Okay, maybe we should move on. Uh, number three in your outline, uh, jot this down, because this, this is a very practical but very real point here. Take care of the physical because it affects the spiritual and the emotional. Take care of the physical because it affects the spiritual and the emotional. These components are very, very important. And in this story, there's evidence that God, got to hear this, God actually leads the way on this one. It's not just about spirit. It's about physical. It says this, verse 5 and 6. All at once an angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. He didn't say get up, shake it off, get with it. He said get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lie down again. There's this physical component that says, wow, God wants me to have my whole person balanced. It's not just about the spiritual tone of our life. It's about all of these things. I mean, you have had to. You travel a lot. You have a lot of miles. Um, tell us a little bit about how you have discovered some of these things, the physical need. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got two million miles with one airline, which is why I look like I do. I'm only 16, but it's like <laughs> the jet lag thing. I mean, I just re re recognizing that we are not compartments. Mm -hmm. Here's the physical, here's the spiritual, here's the emotional. No, it, it doesn't work that way. It's all mingled in together. So I know if I'm eating the bad stuff, if I'm not exercising, I know that that's going to have an effect upon me. It's physical. It affects everything. It's another reason why we want to say that if a physician tells you that you need medication because of depression, take it. We're not suggesting that that's going to solve every problem. Nevertheless, I mean, if you break your arm, you put it in a sling. So why should Christians be made to feel guilty if there is a chemical solution to a, a chemical problem? And, and this issue of the, the, phys the physical affecting the, the emotional I mean, this is not in our outline. Okay, so I just want to, I'm going, I'm, I'm going off now. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're offended by what I'm about to say, this is not Pastor Darry saying this. This is, this is me, Pastor Brent Cunningham saying this. <laughs> but when I, was a, when I was a young pastor, I, I noticed something. We had these ladies who were in our church, really great ladies, and they, but they would occasionally come up to me and say, Pastor Jeff, could you pray? The enemy's really been attacking us. Could you pray? It's just been, it's just been a hard, a, a really tough season. And I started to notice a pattern of when it was really tough. It was like once a month. <laughs> you're, you're on this by yourself, buddy. <laughs> Now, now listen up. Let me, Pastor Brent, tell you this. Hey, 
I am not in any way minimizing or making light of the challenges that that very real issue can bring. And by the way, if anyone's offended by me talking about it, do get over it because the Bible is very blunt about this kind of stuff. And we're about real life people, okay? So that's just the way it is. But here's the deal. What was going on is that there was not a recognition that the physical was affecting the emotional and the spiritual. It was like the devil is... No, the, the devil wasn't. It was just this failure to, to see that. And I think if we know ourselves and if we take care of the physical, it's a really important component in this. Well, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> you done? You sure you're done? <laughs> I'm done. I'm, well, All right. Number maybe, four. <laughs> number four. Know that God cares for us when we're weary. God mm. cares for us when we're weary. Uh, I love this. Verses seven and eight. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Who's the God who is revealed in this story? He's not the God who is the marine sergeant. He's the tender one who says, I, I know this journey's too hard for you. It's, it's a beautiful portrait of the God who knows where we're at when we're weary. Let me ask you this. Pastor Darry, I mean, you, you had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. What was your perception of God during that time? Well, I had a, I had a wonderful childhood, and my, both of my parents were believers, uh, strong in church life, and uh, great support. So I, I came to faith really young. I can't remember not walking with the Lord. The, the challenge of some of those years, though, was that there were, there were a lot of, uh, like, do's and don'ts for Christians. How many of you grew up in kind of a legalistic environment where, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you have to be careful? And, and God is a little bit irritated at you most of the time. He's trying to catch you, do something wrong. So I had that. I, I definitely had that. Um, that's why those words, literally, that Jeff just read, um, the journey is too much for you, they just jumped off the page at me. Because... I think right now in this moment, there are some of you in this room who need to just say, that's me. What I'm going through right now, what I am facing right now in my life, it, it just feels like it is too much. And notice, it's, it's, the, it's the Lord who is saying it. He's recognizing that there's a lot on your plate and he cares. So just know that you are not being left alone. God is not bullying you. God is with you. And he wants to be a part with you. You, you came to faith at more as a teenager, and that had to be a lot different. So tell us about that. I suppose, the, 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 I mean, it was wonderful. It was amazing. And I was dizzy or giddy. Uh, and the reason I use that word is because I was, I was really thrilled and, 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 and glad to be a Christian. Still am all these years later. But I was confused as well. Jesus says in the Gospels, that if we invite him to, that he and the Father will come and make their home with us. So here's what happened with me when I was 17. This stranger moved in. And I wasn't sure how to get along with him. And not only did he move in, but he said he wanted to take charge. And I'm like, what? And as a perfectionist who didn't fail very easily and navigate that, it was a... It was a really difficult time, and a few years later, uh, I spent a year in clinical depression. And I want to be really honest here. At times, I've looked back, Pastor Darry, and I've said, how come God didn't rescue me as a 17-year-old kid 
losing some of my youthful exuberance to kind of intense angst. And how come he didn't rescue me from that year? But I want to say that I'm glad he didn't. You see, God has got a hobby of redeeming stuff that he didn't make. Yeah. And I believe that God has brought out of that something in, in me about vulnerability, which has, I hope, been a blessing in my life and, and, and perhaps to others. But it, it was a, a challenging time. Wow. Well, let's, let's go to the last point here. And this is a critical point uh, to pay attention to because all the help from God to Elijah, he still... He couldn't get his mind to get into a new place of thinking. So number five is be aware of circular patterns of thinking. There, there's a ton of study on the brain, the synapsis of the brain, and what happens when, when you have habits and your brain shifts and goes automatically to certain thoughts. It's kind of almost beyond your control unless you're really intentional about changing that. This is what happens with Elijah. He goes right back into this woe is me, oh poor me. I'm gonna read it, verse 10, look at this. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Now look at this. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I mean, he's, he's consummately wrong in about five different areas, so he's not seeing straight. But not only that, Pastor Dowry, he says the same thing twice. Why? Because he's in a mind rut. It's, it's, that, it's those mental tram lines or ruts that we can slip into thinking almost without thinking. It's just we go there. I'll, I'll give you an example of, of that. I, I went and got a haircut this week. Looks good. I thank you. It's not much of it, but it's all right. And I was just getting ready for the surgery, so I just put my, my phone down and as I put my phone down what I didn't realize is that I pressed the button and suddenly on my phone as I, I'm looking I see a, what I think is a call coming in from England and I'm like it's 5 p.m. in Colorado that that means it's 1 a.m. Uh, midnight or something it's the middle of the night in England here's what my brain did it's the middle of the night someone's calling my kids are dead you recognize that don't you and it's an easy way of, and some of us perhaps need to identify where those ruts are. Because the Bible does talk about strongholds. Yeah. And a stronghold is something which is firmly established in our thinking, which is contrary to the way that God wants us to think. And it would be a good idea, perhaps, for some of us to reflect on that this week. And these are where addictions begin. And, and go deep into people's life. It's just the repetition of thought. Just wrapping this up, um, Pastor Jeff, you've been very helpful to so many people. You actually wrote a book about your battle with depression. Um, do you get depressed still sometimes? What, how do you handle it? Um, I don't get depressed, but I can go there if I want. And what I mean by that is I recognize that I've still got a capacity for that, and when I know that I'm heading that way, I know the signals. I know it's time to, to get some rest. It's time to make sure I'm doing the things I need to, to do. It's time to talk to friends who I value. And, um, and also I know what, what um, triggers me to feel sad. Now, <laughs> let, me, let me give an example just from this week. Facebook. 
I mean, I, I love it. You know, it's great seeing what someone had for breakfast. You know, that's, that's great. And I, at, at times, I hate it. Some of the things that Christians put on Facebook, let me just tell you, Facebook was not invented when I became a Christian, but if it had been, and I'd seen some of those statements, I'm not sure I'd have become a Christian. And it fills me with dismay. And this is, let me give an example, okay? This is just an example. We can't unpack this. So America's being hit by storms, okay? Let's go off, off script here. Again. You're good at that. Yeah. America's being hit by storms. And immediately the Christians are saying, it's the judgment of God. Now, this is not about that. So we can't get into that subject. But what drives me nuts is the haste to which they run to that conclusion, forgetting stuff like, well, Haiti's being hit. Well, that's neat. God's nuking poor people because of America. Now, it's the thoughtlessness. I mean, like we talked about the... I'm getting on one. I'm getting... Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just listening. Yeah. <laughs> when like, it gets red in the face, I just back off. <laughs> Is this okay? I mean, I mean, like the eclipse of the sun. Like someone, a national leader said that the eclipse of the sun was the judgment of God on the previous president of the USA. I'm like, yeah, but he's not around. He's gone now. So God was obviously late. <laughs> so here's my point. Don't write in. But here's my point. It is the haste to which people do that. And then I read all of that. And I'm like, oh, do I want to be part of this outfit? Yes, I do. So I have to, my wife will say to me, you're on Facebook again. I pray you desist <laughs> so I know what can set me off I, I'll stop now okay these are these are helpful things because we this whole point today is a guy who's in depression he doesn't really feel good about who he is his life it seems like meaningless and God is there God is trying to pull him out of this I want to tell you something. One of the most powerful things you could ever remember when people are going through disaster, when things happen, the promise of Jesus was, I will be with you always. God is with those people who are suffering today. And they deserve our prayers. Um, that's valuable to me. That's what it means to trust in this loving God. And that's the takeaway for me in my final thought is just to say, God is with us, even when it's tough. And I just want to say, Timberline Church, I want it to be a real place where you can come here. If you don't feel like coming here, come anyway. Maybe you want to sit alone. Maybe you don't want to participate in something. That is okay. You don't have to act happy if you're not. But those are moments when God can still touch your soul. Don't ever forget that. Any final thoughts before we pray? Yeah, who's your Elisha? Paul. Who is your Elisha? Is there... Is there someone? And who might you be an Elisha to? And what does that mean? Can I just say this? It may, not, it may not mean saying much. Don't say, I know how you feel. Here's the news. No human being knows how any other human being ever feels. <laughs> ever. So don't say that. In fact... Don't feel the need to say much because sometimes 
when we feel the need to try and have answers and fix things, we bruise people. The story of Job demonstrates that when you're really fed up, well-meaning people will show up and say stupid stuff. It's true. Just be there. Care. Be faithful. Oh, and one last thing. Don't say, well, what's wrong? Because sometimes they don't know. Sometimes there is a reason. Sometimes there's not a reason you can locate. But the faithfulness of friends. Who's your Elisha? And who might you be an Elisha to? Would you pray with us, please? Lord, we, we bring all of this as we, as we talk about our living room here in this room. We, we talk about real stuff here. And I thank you that, that that's happening today. And I thank you for every person in this room and those who are really struggling with this issue of sorrow or sadness or depression, discouragement, and it's heavy on them today. We pray for them. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff, as you just keep your heads bowed, and I don't want you to raise your hand to this because I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I, I, I would like for you to acknowledge if, if you are one of those people who you feel discouraged, depression is putting a cloud over you, and it could be for reasons you know, and it might be for reasons you don't know, but it's just the, the weight, and it's on you right now. And Pastor Jeff, with you going through this battle, would you just lead us in a prayer for our family, our brothers and sisters, some of these young people, that God would, would show up in a big way today. We affirm, Lord, Father God, that you know us. We don't surprise you. You know our fragility. But we look to you for those who struggle today to be the glory and the lifter up of their head. We pray, Lord, that however you do it, be it through an Elisha, be it through a moment with you, be it through professional care, medication, whatever it is, we pray that you will lift hearts and heads and we pray that where there is a sense of nighttime and shadows, that a new dawn of hope will come again. And Lord, I just pray secondly for those who perhaps are running toward isolation. Here today, watching online, wherever, they're running toward isolation, that they would know you are with them as they run and you care about their brokenness. Be close to them. Remind them of your love. We give all this to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.